The following audio is from LifePoint Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more information about LifePoint Church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. Amen. You can have a seat at this time. The kids can go ahead and be dismissed to their classrooms. Can we just give it up for the kids workers this morning and everybody who makes these services awesome, all the volunteers. Hey, listen, if you're here this morning and you have not volunteered or you're not serving on a Sunday morning, let me just simply encourage you that that is the place that God is calling you uh, to be. Because as Christians, we want to just simply not just be a hero of the word, but doers of the word, and we are called to make disciples, and the best way to do that is to serve the church by helping build them up. And so if you're not serving on a Sunday morning, let me encourage you, stop by the welcome table, stop by the kids' desk, make sure you're on the list to get uh, in place to serve in one of the ministries, all right? Hey, good morning. My name's Eric. I'm the lead teaching pastor here, and I'm so thankful uh, that you're here this morning. We're in week two of the Christmas season. How many of you know that this season is awesome? Amen? This is, this is a crazy season because, listen, uh, Christmas lights are going up, Christmas trees are going up, presents are being bought and wrapped, and, and I don't know about you, how many of you guys have Christmas lights on your house right now? It's getting pretty in my neighborhood. I love it, right? It's been a little cold for me to get out there and get up on the, on the roof yet, and so I'm not sure if we're going to make it this year, but there are lights going up, all right? Uh, I tell you what I saw uh, this week was um, these, these, um, these laser lights. It's like the, the Christmas hanging lights for the guy who just wants one plug, Right? You put them in the ground, you shoot it up on the house, and it lights up your whole house. How many of you guys have that? I'm not judging you. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, that's an awesome thing. I also saw this week where you get one strand of lights, you put four or five hooks on it, let the rest of the lights hang down into the yard with a little Grinch there trying to steal your lights. You seen that? That's genius. You only have to hang one strand, only four or five hooks, and you got a Grinch right there, right? It's like he's stealing your Christmas lights. That's so smart. Listen, uh, this is the time of the year. This is the season where we start to see Christmas come alive. We see blow-up Santas, blow-up reindeers. How many of you guys have that? Anybody? Okay. When I was a kid, they were plastic. They would catch on fire, right? (laughs) But now you got LED, so it's all good. You got Santas. You got mangers. You got Santas bowing down to mangers. Right? And, and, and listen, uh, I went to Walmart yesterday, and it was crazy. How many of you there were at Walmart yesterday? Yeah, I know. I saw every one of you. It was, it was nuts. There's a warning, by the way. There's a warning that it's going to be crazy inside the store. There's somebody outside ringing a bell, giving you that warning. Hey, it's crazy in there. Don't go in there. It's like, but we don't listen. We just go right in, right? Mobs of people. I got out of there as fast as I could. Listen, this is the season of Christmas. How many of you guys love Christmas season? Yeah. Some of you would say, how many of you would say, this is the most wonderful time of the year? Anyone? All right. How many of you would say, okay, it may be wonderful, but for me and my family, it's the most complicated time of the year. Anybody agree with that? This is the most difficult time for so many one of us. And so listen, it can be wonderful, and it can be complicated at the same time, right? Some of you, some of you have multiple moms and dads. Some of you have multiple grandparents. Some of you have multiple aunts and uncles. And so what happens during the season is everything just kind of gets sped up, right? And you kind of go here and go there and run here, and don't forget that gift for that person. And you always got a backup gift just in case somebody shows 
shows up, right, and you don't have a gift for it, you're like, okay, let's give them the backup gift. It's the universal gift. All right, I just gave some of you guys some bailout opportunities right now. We need to go buy a universal gift just in case somebody shows up, and you're going to go out, and you're going to buy that. Listen, you're going from house to house, place to place, right, and in between all the cooking and all the cleaning and all the decorating and all the gifting, all the work parties and all the school parties and all the hosting and all the roasting and all of that. Listen, Christmas season can be complicated. It can outrightly be difficult. I mean, if we just simply call it what it is, it's chaos at some times. Anybody agree with that? Christmas season can be chaotic. I remember when Stephanie and I we were, we were dating, we would go to different homes, right? Because you can't like forsake her family for my family, you can't forsake my family for her family. And so what we would do is we would travel most of the day on Christmas Eve and most of the day on Christmas. Who does that? right? You travel, and so you go to grandma's house, and then you go to other grandma's house, and then you go to dad's house, and then you go to other dad's house, right? And then you go all these different places, and and we're trying to figure out, like, who's going to be with who, and who's going where, and then everyone's asking, like, hey, where's so-and-so, and And nobody really knows, right? Or you have to say, oh, you know what, mom, I I broke up with that boy, or I broke up with that guy, they're not around anymore, where's so-and-so? I don't know, they're with somebody else, right? And and so you're, you're not, you're not trying to hurt anyone's feelings, but honestly, it's just complicated. You're not trying to hurt anyone's feelings, and so, so uh, you want to make sure that they know, Mom, I'm not going to make the four-hour drive for the 45-minute visit, and some of you will make the four-hour four drive in order to get the 45-minute visit, right? And so you go in, you talk, you say hello, you say goodbye, you unwrap the presents, you say Merry Christmas, but sometimes it's just complicated. This time of the year is so chaotic. Some of you know it's chaotic because of the drama that's within your family. How many of you have drama in your family? How many of you had the drama escalated, right, on Thanksgiving? (laughs) Right? And you're not looking forward to the drama that's coming on Christmas. I know. I know. Right? This time of the year can be chaotic because of the drama that you know that's coming over the next few weeks. Some of you, it's, it's chaotic because you just had a baby. We have babies popping up all over this church. We love that. Give praise to God for that. Yeah. We love those babies. But this is chaotic for you because this is the first Christmas for the baby, and everybody wants to see the baby. Everybody wants to touch the baby. Everybody's got a gift for the baby. And so you've got to run to eight different places just so that the baby can be held, pinched, and loved on this Christmas. And it's crazy for you. Right? Amen? And some of you, some of you, it's, it's chaotic because honestly, this is going to be the first year without that loved one at the table. Don't think I don't know. I've experienced that. I know what that's like. This is difficult for you because that, that friend or that family member is not with us anymore, and this is the first year without them, or sometimes it's difficult because, you know, this is the first year that the kids won't be home. They're doing their own thing now. Sometimes it's difficult because whatever, and it's just the most wonderful time of the year, but honestly, it's the most difficult time of the year. Some of you are sitting there right now, and you're thinking, yeah, you know what, Eric, it is very difficult. So why do we call it the most wonderful time of the year? Well, let me tell you something. If you're taking notes, you can write this one down. It's the most wonderful time of the year not because of what's happening around us, but rather because of what's happened for us. It's the most wonderful time of the year, not because of what's happening, but what happened. 
It's the most wonderful time of the year, not because everything is chaotic at this time, but we actually have a moment, a season, in which we can pause our hearts for a moment and remember and reflect and step into the truth of that God happened for us. It's not the most wonderful time of the year because of what we're faced with, because many of you are going to be faced with problems you can't solve. Many of you are going to be faced with people you can't control. And I know you control out there, right? You want to control the people. You're going to be faced with people you can't control. There's going to be expectations that won't be met. And honestly, if we would slow down for a moment, we would look at ourselves and our own hearts and realize that I'm the problem that I can't solve. That I I am the people that I can't control and I have expectations that can't be met. And so what happens is the difficulty and the chaos gets escalated for us because we realize that ultimately we're the problem. And Christmas has a tendency to exaggerate all the bad that's going on in our lives, all the chaos and all the difficulties. But at the same time, listen to me, it points us to something incredible. This season, it points us to something that is life-changing. Listen, this is the most wonderful time of the year, not because of what's happening, but rather because of what happened. There's not a present under the tree that would somehow satisfy the longings of your soul. Let me say that again. There is not a present that's coming your way that's somehow going to fix the longings that are in your soul. I always call it the Christmas blues. You know what that is? That's when you get all the presents and you have all the meals and you take all the visits and everything happens right? And then at the end of the day, you're thinking, is that it? At the end of the day, all of the weight that was on you before Christmas is still there, like you've got to go back to work. Are you with me? The bills didn't go away. They actually increased. And you're sitting there and you're thinking, I thought that this season, that this, this day would somehow satisfy what's going on in my heart. Listen, there is not a present under the tree. There is not a meal that you're going to eat. There is not a visit that you're going to make that's going to somehow satisfy or sustain your hope. And if your hope is built around events that are happening, then your hope will go away with all the wrapping paper. It'll be gone. But I want to encourage you this morning, if you set your hope upon the event that happened that changed the world, there is hope. If we would just simply look and receive the one event that changed everything, it would not only be able to allow us to celebrate this is the most wonderful time of the year. You see, the event that happened is that when God saw us in our darkest place, Listen, when God saw you in the most chaotic, difficult season of your life, when you're sitting around the table and it gets awkward, right? Or, or when you find yourself overwhelmed by the weight of everything that is pounded upon you in this season, listen, in our darkest place, in our darkest time, that's when God steps in. You see, the Bible says that, that when I, I saw you, God says, I saw you when you were wallowing in your blood, when you were dead in despair, when you were nothing, when you had nothing to offer, I saw you there. The Bible also says that when we were dead in our sins, God saw us. While we were yet sinners, that's when God 
loved us and stepped into our situation. God saw us and he sent his only son, Jesus. And Jesus wants to be the center of your life. He wants to be the center of your chaos. He wants to be the center of history. He wants to be the center of every season, not just this one. And so when Jesus becomes the center of your life, hear me, when Jesus becomes the savior of your life, what happens is that the Holy Spirit supernaturally comes and makes you born again. It actually, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within you. He places in you a hope that is stable, which means that no matter how difficult or chaotic your season of life can become, Jesus comes and gives you the Holy Spirit, which in turn gives you strength to get through. Spirit gives us hope for tomorrow. The Holy Spirit gives us purpose for life. He makes us born again. Romans 15, 13. I hope that you write this one on your hearts. It says, may the God of hope. You see, there is a God of hope. There is a God who is hope. There is a God who possesses hope. There is a God who gives hope. And this is a God of hope. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace. And how does that joy, how does that peace, how does that hope come? Through believing. Everyone say believing. You see, there is a hope that comes from the God of hope. There is a joy that comes from the God of joy. There is a peace that comes from the God of peace when we would believe. And so when we believe, when we receive that spirit, it says, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. That means you may have victorious hope through the spirit. Listen, that doesn't come under a tree. That comes through believing. If we would believe in Jesus, it says he would fill us with joy and peace and hope. Listen, there is no doubt that for many of you, this season brings difficulties. It brings a reminder of broken relationships. This season brings with it unmet expectations. This season brings with it missed loved ones. And Christmas can be chaos, even darkness. But no matter your circumstance, I plead with you this morning to just simply allow yourself to focus on the light of the world. The light of of the world who has come into our darkness to save us, that has come in the middle of our chaos to bring you hope. We're going to be in John's gospel today, so if you want to open your Bibles to the book of John. In the New Testament, the beginning of the New Testament, we find four gospels. You know what they are? Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. That's, that's, this is the New Testament. This actually marks the coming of Jesus. And so the Old Testament was, was preparing the people for the coming of the Messiah. The New Testament is the Messiah showing up. And each gospel gives an account of Jesus' life. But John's gospel, he doesn't give a birth announcement. Did you know that? John doesn't start with shepherds, John doesn't start with mangers, John doesn't start with angels, but rather he takes us to a time before the birth of Christ. And there's a reason why he does this. The reason why he does this, he tells us, is so that our faith would increase in who Jesus is. Listen, in John 20, 31, John writes this. He says, these things are written so that you may believe. Everyone say believe. Believe. 
He says, listen, I'm writing you these things. Everything I write in my gospel, everything I write as this truth, listen, I write these things so that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ. Now, let me just pause right there for a moment. The Christ means anointed one. The Christ means the Messiah. The Christ means the one who has come to save his people from their sins. He wants us to know through what he's writing and through what he's telling us that Jesus is the Christ. There's not other Christ. There's not other Messiahs. There's not other saviors. Listen to me. You're looking for a savior that somehow comes in a season, that somehow comes in a present, that somehow comes in a check that you can cash. Some of you are looking for hope and saving through another Christ. He says, I'm writing you so that you would know and that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ. Are you with me? Somebody say amen right there. He is the Christ. He is the son of God. And that by believing you may have life in his name. Listen, what we believe about Jesus is the difference between life and death. What we believe about Jesus is the difference between eternal life and eternal separation. John is so passionate about helping us see who Jesus is and receiving him for who he is that he says life is at stake here. John is going to plead with us throughout this entire season to believe that Jesus is the Christ. Not just a good man, not just a good teacher, not just the reason for the season. You with me? But Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God of God. And the reason why it matters is because life is at stake. From the very first line, John chapter 1, from the very first line of John's gospel, his aim is that you and I and everyone who reads it would believe in Jesus and actually receive Jesus as our light, receive Jesus as our life, receive Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, because through believing in Jesus, we would have life in Jesus. Now, let me help you connect with John, who was a disciple. You see, John was someone who walked with Jesus. And when John wrote his gospel, he was a very old man. I don't know if you knew that. Some say he was the oldest of all the writers. He lived the longest. He's seen the most things. And when John writes his gospel, what makes it so amazing is when John writes these truths, he's experiencing really dark times. His life is in chaos. It must have been Christmas season for him. Right? But listen, John had experienced loss. John lost family. John lost friends. John lost his very people. He saw them killed in the name of Jesus, people persecuting the church. Listen, in 70 AD, John saw the city of Jerusalem be taken into slavery. He saw the city of Jerusalem, uh, the people, they would die of plagues because they could not get out of the city. Romans had surrounded them. He saw starvation and persecution. John, he saw the temple of God destroyed. He saw it burned down. John was alive at the time where a million Jews were slaughtered because of their faith in God. When John wrote these words, he had seen his friend Peter. He had seen the apostle Paul executed for their faith in Jesus. And throughout all of this tragedy, 
and throughout all of the destruction and all of the chaos and all of the hard things that John saw despite all of that, listen to his words in John chapter 1, verse 1. He says, in the beginning was the word. That word is capitalized because it's talking about a person. He says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. You see, this word, this, this God, he, he was there in the beginning. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him. And without him, not anything made that was made. In him, in this word, in this God, it was life. And the life was the light of men. Some of your translations say this was the life of all mankind. Of all mankind. You see, what John is saying here is that Jesus was there in the beginning. Jesus is eternal. Jesus was in the beginning of what? Everything. He was there in the beginning and Jesus was with God and it says that Jesus is God and that Jesus is the creator of all things. And so what John wants to see so that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ is that Jesus' beginning was not in a manger. Jesus had always been. Jesus always will be. And he created when everything was formed and everything was without void. He said, let there be. And there was. He created it all. May we believe that Jesus is the Christ because his coming was an eternal coming into our chaos. He is the creator and he is the sustainer of life. Jesus is the giver of life. He was there in the beginning, and he's here right now, and he wants to come into your life today. Despite all of the loss, despite all of the suffering, despite all of the difficulties that John saw, despite everything and everyone he knew and loved was gone, John says verse 5, which is tremendous. Listen to what it says. The light, the word, this God, this Jesus, the light shines in the darkness. Let me assure you today, through faith, light can shine in your darkness, in your chaos, and in your difficulties. It says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. You see, John, he saw a light. John knew a life giver. John had seen and experienced a light that goes beyond all chaos. John saw a light that's brighter than any darkness. And so listen to me, our hope is that no matter what we experience in this life or in this season, no matter how deep the heartache, no matter how deep the fear, no matter how dark you feel like your depression or cloud weighs upon you, no matter the chaos that's going on around us, there is a light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness, listen to me, is helpless against it. There is a light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness is not winning. The light 
wins. The life of Christ wins. So no matter the darkness you face, it cannot put out Jesus. It cannot put out Jesus. The darkness cannot stop the life of Jesus that he came to give to you this morning. And so listen, in this Christmas season, we are comforted by the fact that even though I'm the problem I can't solve, and even though I'm the, I'm the people that I can't control, and I'm the expectation that can't be met, there is always hope. There is always light. There is always life. Because Jesus is life. Listen, what makes this the most wonderful time of the year? It's not what's happening, but what happened. That Jesus wants to come into your chaos, and he wants to come into your difficulty, and he wants to bring with him light. He wants to bring to you life. You see, every darkness we see around us is a result of the ultimate darkness. The Bible calls it sin. The darkness that each one of us face is sin. And sin is what separates us from having a relationship with God. Sin is what separates us, uh, that leads us to death. The Bible says that in our sin we are children or objects of God's wrath. And because we are dead in our sin, you and I are in need of a Savior. We're in need of a sinless one to come and take our place. We are in need of a Savior, a light, a life giver who would come and take my death and in exchange with faith, bring me life. And so every darkness that we face in this season is a result of the ultimate darkness of sin. And we need Jesus to come and remove the penalty that each one of us deserves. Look in verse 9 in John chapter 1. I, I pray that you take this to heart today, folks. It says, the true light, which gives light. To everyone, all mankind. Listen, it's not a region, it's not a nation, it's not a religious group, it's not a certain type of people, but everyone. He says this light was coming in the world, and he gives light to everyone. Verse 10, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Knowing God, that's the whole reason why John writes his gospel, is knowing God. Verse 11, he came to his own. And his own people did not receive him. Some of you today, maybe you've been in church for a while. Maybe this is your first time in a long time. Some of you are sitting out here today listening to the word of God. And ultimately, you've not received him. Sure, you know of him. You celebrate him, maybe with a tree, some good food, friends. But the Bible says that he came. He came to you and me so that we would receive him. If you've not received him this morning, I pray that the word of God would touch your heart and the Holy Spirit would bring light to you tell you that today you can receive him. 
that you can receive him for who he is, the Christ and the Savior of the world. Listen to what it says, because there's hope for us who did not receive him if you have not received him. He says, but to all who did receive him, to everyone who believed, everyone say believed, everyone who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. What that just said is that when we believe, when we receive him, we turn over from children of wrath to children of God. That's the greatest news in the world, and that's the reason why this is the most wonderful time of the year. It's because we can actually receive him as the greatest gift. We can receive him as the greatest treasure. We can receive him as the Christ, our personal Lord and Savior. To everyone who did receive him, he gave the right to become a child of God. How does that happen, Eric? Well, I'm so glad that John tells us. You're born. Again, you're born. Verse 13. When you become a child of God, you're born not of blood, which means you don't inherit this thing. It doesn't matter where your family came from or if you grew up in church or not. Whether you know Christian culture or not, you don't inherit this thing. It's not from blood. It's not the will of flesh or the will of man. It means you didn't just work hard enough to somehow deserve it. You didn't simply muster up enough religious strength or religious duties to somehow earn your way to God. No, that's not how it happens. But you're actually born of God. It's the simplest the most grace-filled, the most merciful way that we could come to God is simply by grace through faith. Would you receive him? Would you believe in his name? Would you believe that in the middle of your chaos there is a light and there is a life that's waiting for you to receive him? Would you do that this morning? Have you received him? Have you asked him to be the light in your difficulties? Or are you just trying to work through it? You're just trying to find enough strength, enough money, enough, enough uh, ability within yourself to somehow get through the season. Listen, would you just simply ask him again to be your light, to be your life, to fill you with the spirit, to be your hope? I pray that this season would be a season, the most wonderful season, because Jesus is your life. It's not because of what's happening, but rather because of what happened. He came. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, this morning, we bow our hearts, we bow our knees, and we bow our heads, searching, each one of us searching, have I received you? You've come to me. You created me. You formed me. And even now, you speak to me through your word. But today, help us search our hearts. Have I received you? The matter is life and death. Today, oh Jesus, we ask you to forgive our sins. We ask you to wash us clean. We ask you to heal us our brokenness and our difficulties. We ask you, oh God, by faith in Jesus that you would seal us and fill us with your Holy Spirit. We're asking you right now, oh Holy Spirit, would you come and be light into my life? Would you be the hope in my darkness? 
Would you be the joy and the peace in the midst of my chaos? Oh God, right now, we're asking in Jesus' name that you would meet us right here. Lord, we need you. Lord, we want you. Lord, we ask you to be our most wonderful time, our most wonderful Savior, so that this can be the most wonderful time of our year. If you're here this morning and you would simply say, I've never received him, but I want to do that today. I want to put my faith in Jesus. I need life. I need light in my darkness. I need Jesus. If you'd be willing to admit that, would you just simply raise your hand up and put it right back down? Just an acknowledgement to God. Yes. Anybody else? Yes. Anybody else? Lord, today, you see our hearts. You see our hands. You see us making a motion to receive you today. God, come. Show yourself faithful and promised and true. Be our Lord. Be our Savior. Be our King. Be our hope. Everything rests in you. We love you, Jesus. We thank you. We pray in your precious, precious name. Amen.